Welcome to episode 183 of the Muck Podcast, a member of the Odd Pods Media Network. Listen in as we discuss the dark and sometimes weird true stories in American politics. I'm Tina Hadamia. And I'm Hillary Dougherty. <gasps> <Hi. laughs> Girl. Oh, oh my god. Oh, welcome to the Muck Podcast. Oh, so we were in an Odd Pods meeting this week, and I told oh. Tina that uh, yeah, I, um, I Richie from um, Super Media Bros was like, I just keep forgetting to like, reintroduce who we are. And I was like, we need to reintroduce who we yes. are. <laughs> we <laughs> have not podcast. done that in a long time. I know. So where do we start? We've, this is our, we begin? We're like in the middle of our fourth season How of this we podcast. Presume? Yeah. Um, we met on a long, dusty, dark road. Yes, yes, we did. <laughs> we found each other. Fellow murderinos, you know. It's so funny because um, a picture came up the other day of like us and our, I don't know what it was, but all I know is that if it wasn't for my favorite murder, like we wouldn't be sitting here. Yeah. You know, Tina walked into a meeting and was wearing um, uh, my favorite murder shirt. And I yeah. was like, you're a, a stay murderino. Sex, a this stay is, sexy. Yeah. Don't get murdered. I was like, holy shit. Holy shit. That's Did how we started our that, friendship. Uh, uh, Steven. Yes, he's leaving. I I'm know. very upset about it. Very I am upset. too, but I feel like he's on a journey. He's on a yeah. He is. It's it's interesting to watch. Yeah, yeah, I'm happy for him. I am too, but I was like, oh, the nostalgia. Yeah, totally, totally. So, so anyway, I, we come here once a week and we talk a lot about local. Um, we live in Florida. We yes. talk about local, and we also talk about national politics. It's our favorite thing ever to talk about. We are super, super, super political nerds <laughs> it's all we talk about ever even when we it's, get together with our friends it's, it's all we talk about That's like it. what's happening there's nothing else um, <laughs> and i i don't know i kind of think i i always wanted this podcast to to make all of that really interesting right yeah. like to call out inform people let them know what's going on and also here's some wild things that have happened in our history that, yes. that i think you can apply to so many other things that are happening today. And I find that the most interesting about, about what we do. Yeah. And if you like true crime, we have these true crime kind of stories, but just in the world of politics. Yeah. So we get our, our local stuff up front. And then if you know, you're into the story, you stay for the story. Yeah. And we always have something interesting. Yeah. And also like not, I don't want it to ever pe turn people away from politics. I want you to, to see it and acknowledge how fucked up things are yes. and like how crazy people are that get elected and then go, oh God, I need to vote more. Like, yes. That's what I, want. <laughs> I don't want you to go, oh, I got to stay away from this. I want the people to say, I got yeah, to get Let me go register. Involved. Let yeah. me get my uh, uh, vote by mail ballot. Yes. All the things. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so that's who we are. And uh, anyway, so let's, so we do a little bit of uh, news up front and then we'll get to our story, which is my turn today. And I... Ooh. Have what? never been more excited <gasps> about my story. Oh, I, I have to tell wait. you, I love, I just said this this morning. I love when I, when it's my turn and my story is, I'm so fucking stoked about it. <laughs> I can't wait. You are going to fucking oh. love it. I cannot wait. I cannot I wait. I can't wait. I can't wait to hear it. So uh, what do you have for up front? Am um, I up front? Um, I had a couple things that were DeSantis- you know, focused. One is, um, I read this article, I think it was posted by uh, Anna Eskamani. Uh, and then I went and read the article from, I believe it was the Tampa Bay Times. And it's about the brain drain. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, I thought Florida. about you. Yeah, this is, I almost feel like and, everything you've predicted about colleges and how he's ha attacking schools and colleges has come to fruition. It's, it's coming true. Yeah. And um, it just, they looked at the top universities and they said, you know, it's not like nothing major yet, but there's definitely an increase in the amount of faculty that are leaving. And then they talked about how there was one position where they used to get like 200, 
250 candidates, 20 people, and oh they're not God. qualified. So and then people up. who are qualified that they're like, yes, come work for us. They take jobs for less pay in a less prestigious school because they don't want to come to Florida. Yeah. I, I, and what's that going to look like in four years? Well, I was going to say that. So like, let's say there's folks that are like, listen, I've, uh, he's only going to be in office for a couple more years and then right. he's out. He can't run for governor again. Well, we don't know. I we'll know. see what they do to see if they ex- add a third term to uh, the law. Oh God, please. If he doesn't win the presidency. Oh my God. He might say, listen, I'm doing so well, guys. Why don't you uh, give me another term? Why don't you extend this? I mean, no, we can't have that's Can't the government then get the government, the, the federal government I don't get involved? Know. I don't if know. If there's a state takeover or someone I don't that never leaves? No, I don't know. So let, let's say that, number one. Number two, even after he's gone, these laws still exist and you'd have to get them overturned. You'd have to get them changed for oh, things to actually have, change, yeah, right? We so don't it's have not the just way to do it. Yeah, it's not just DeSantis <laughs> who created these laws. It's these lawmakers who who carried his water for him. Speaking of that, one of them who we 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 love to oh, vilify uh, is Randy Fine. Yeah, who got nothing. Yeah. So this representative Randy <laughs> <laughs> representative Randy Fine, who's a massive douche, like just the biggest douchebag yes. on the planet. Um so he it had been rumored that DeSantis was going to place, a, you know, appoint an FAU president for Florida Atlantic University, which is here just north of yes. us in Boca. And um, the list and Randy Fine was floated around as a name. Right. The list comes out this week and Randy Fine's not on it. And must nowhere have been, near it. Nowhere near it. Every reporter, <laughs> every reporter in the universe was calling Randy Fine, who was on vacation somewhere. And he's like, I don't know what you're talking. I don't know. Oh, please. Right. He had to leave town. Oh, my God. He's embarrassed. So bad. So listen to this. This is what has come out now since they're like, why wasn't Randy Fine picked? Who but wants him? Listen to this is a story from the Space Coast Rocket, which is on well, the I, it's a, first of all, what a great name. Amazing. <laughs> Listen to this quote. According to text messages, this is what they've been finding out, like what's been happening behind the scenes with this dick, right? According to text messages, Fine and his wife, who's another wacko, were recently booted from their local synagogue after threatening to burn it to the ground when staff refused to fire at Fine's direction a teacher who is a member of the LGBTQ community. Oh! <gasps> This is a Florida state lawmaker. This is somebody who <sighs> makes decisions he, and actually thinks oh, that he, he walks out of that fucking out of Tallahassee and thinks he can continue to be a bigot in public with real people, not with the fucking people up there who are out of their minds, but like real people. He goes into the real world and thinks he can wave around his wand and his power because his fucking ego, his ego is out of control and goes to his religious center his synagogue and demands they fire someone who's part of the lgbtq community wow i'm you know what he's obsessed that's uh, Ob- but obsessed. i'm glad that that he got in trouble that that yeah. that that synagogue you yeah, know get out said get out yeah we don't need you here. how embarrassing anyway that's, that's one disgusting. of the reasons why he wasn't on the list now this president's council in yeah. Florida has said this college's president's council yeah. or something is like, oh, this list isn't done. And da, da, da. now they're coming out saying like, he might be included on that list. It might, he might come they back might out. They might just try to force it. Yeah. He anyway, better not. How Im- fucking insane is that? How insane. He better not be president of FAU. I know. Especially because it's, it's an area where there are, it's a heavily, it's a liberal area. It's South Florida. It's my South God. Florida. Oh my God. What's he do, going to be doing down here? It's true. Anyway, 
What else? Dang. Um, well, I had that, uh, um, Casey DeSantis yeah. sort of being on the campaign trail <laughs> because her husband Ugh. sucks so much. He's such a weirdo. He's People, such an uncomfortable he, and, weirdo. And with women especially, he is not yeah. doing less, well. Less than 30%. He is not doing... Women don't like you. Yeah. Which You're makes probably me, batshit crazy wife yeah. doesn't even... I mean, I don't want to say she's no, batshit no, no. crazy. Who she knows? She is batshit crazy, but I think that, I think that I tells you a lot. Yeah. I mean, if she's the only one that likes you and then they got to put her out and she is one of these housewives. She knows her place. She's one yeah. of the most dangerous people because she knows. She knows what she's yeah. doing and she knows her role and she doesn't give a fuck about how bad he is. She just wants to be at the top. So oh. she's like the perfect partner in a political like couple. But, oh yeah, I but think she's, 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 she's in his ear. Yeah, and she's also just <sighs> fake. There's oh nothing God. authentic about this woman. No, There's she, nothing authentic about her. Nothing. Yeah, she's like a certain type of Florida woman. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, she's it's, like a real housewife of she, Tallahassee. Yeah, that's, that's you know what, what I mean? it is. Yep, yep, yep. Or yep, Jacksonville. Yep. You know what I mean? Like something's <laughs> off. Something's <laughs> off. Oh my God. You know what's the best though is um, I follow this guy on Instagram and his it's he's it's called word clown mm -hmm. but it's um, a writer from uh, South Park and uh, it's uh, Toby Morton okay and he has been on this campaign of buying up websites mm. and dumping a bunch of money so he has like to uh, I think it's like to fascist or something like that for president he had he bought like official scotus.com he bought casey desantis 2024.com like he buys all these sites and people donate money and he just puts like all the real shit wow about who they are and then they you know desantis's uh people have been coming at him so he'll show screenshots of like him being like fuck you you know like <laughs> it's so funny so that part i like because he's just like oh casey desantis is coming out I'm going to get Casey DeSantis 2024 and he just, he just buys up all these domain names. And when you go to his thing, it's like a list. He's got like Jim Holy Jordan, shit, dude. a bunch. He's just Ugh. buying them out. I'm like, yes. So that part's always funny. Oh my God. I mean, trying to use their platform to bring awareness to the insanity that is our politics right well, now. You know, his numbers are tanking, which is a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful thing to see somebody who yeah. thinks he's a God. And thinks that God sent him, right? Can we please Remember the video he, yes. he said God sent him to save but the world? But can you please talk about the video you showed me? Okay, so, <laughs> wait, first of all, I just want to say that, like, him, his numbers tanking is so perfect because this is what we knew was going to happen. We knew he was, like, off and that he's unlikable. But then he comes out and he blames me, the media and yeah. the Mex the president of Mexico <laughs> for the reason why people don't like him. Oh my God. Just look at your face, man. You're, you're a fucking weirdo. Yeah. You're a weirdo. Ugh. And, and listen, 90% of politics is likability. Yeah. That's 90% of it. I'm sure in person, Randy Fine is probably this big galoof. You know what I mean? Like this big, right? Yeah. And then he opens his mouth and he's a fucking uh, anti-Semitic or not anti, I mean, uh, anti a homophobic yeah. asshole. But, you know, what are you going to do? So anyway, uh, DeSantis put up this video. His campaign put up a video that's um, anti-LGBTQ, but it was really like trying to show that, um, that Trump was for LGBTQ. And so the video they put out was so bizarre. The it looked like a video you would see in a gay bar, to be honest with you. The <laughs> splicing is so good yeah. because it's he's paralleling himself with uh, 
Patrick Bates. Yeah. From, yeah, from the serial from, killer. Yeah, from American Psycho, which I don't understand. Like, Tommy like Shel- the, and Tommy Shelby from Peaky Blinders. He's yeah. the other one that was cut in there. And then Peaky Blinders and Cillian Murphy, who plays uh, Tommy Shelby, was had to put out a statement saying, this has been used without our <laughs> authorization. We do not support DeSantis. That was the greatest fucking thing ever. Oh, my They're God. They're like, no. Nobody likes you, DeSantis. Yeah. Um, so that might be why they had to pull it, too. And then uh, uh, Brad Pitt as a gladiator. Yeah. <laughs> It would cut to those guys, like these tough, masculine, oh, he's hot so, motherfuckers. He's so, and then it would, he cut, to this, so it would bad. cut to this doughy nerd. And he was like, you know what I mean? It'd be like, here's Brad Pitt. And then it'd be like, wah, wah, wah. Like but it was then, the weirdest cut video. The other thing about the video, and I don't know if, if, if you're able to download the video and then maybe I can You can cut find it, it on in, Twitter. I saw And it. try to cut it. I'll oh, see if I can do idea. that. And if yeah. I can like insert it um in and then uh, we could pick up our conversation i'll see i can't guarantee yeah. this people i can't yeah. i can't but it would be cool if i could figure this yeah, out yeah because i, I would it. play it the audio but it, it's really it's all visual no yeah it's, it's all so visual. visual and but it's it's <laughs> to have this man think <sighs> somehow that he represents you know um that that i mean obviously he thinks that he's the hero in everything he thinks yeah. he is the hero of the movie yeah and he's not the hero of the movie. Yeah. He's lucky if he's a side character. Yeah. You know what I mean? He maybe Wait, is an extra in a crowd. He's the bad guy. Yeah. He's well. the villain. <laughs> and that's what's wrong. Like, that's what we always say. I, I swear to God, we must have said this 10 times on the podcast. They think they're doing like the Lord's work. They yeah. think that they're the good guy. And they don't understand, because we all see that from the outside, that they're the bad guy. Yeah. They're the bad one. You're not going down in history books as somebody who everybody's going to admire. No. I don't, I know. And, and the worst part is. He has to know They it. surround themselves with people who tell them that, oh, you're doing such a good job. Oh, no. Oh, you know, who continue to feed into this. Trump had the same thing. Not one person, in ch- including his chief of staff during the January 6th was like, bruh, pull it back. Yeah. Like put out a statement. We got to pull back the horses. We got to get, we got to back up, back up, back. No, but they're like, keep going. And yeah. me and the fucking, they say, you know, someone's rubbing their shit all over the walls of Congress. Can you imagine? Like it's fucking wild. And the same thing with DeSantis. Nobody's ringing the bell there. Like no one's saying to him, yo, although somebody must've said something because the numbers were so bad that they took him off the campaign took trail off. and put his, uh, you know, starry eyed wife out there. Who, Mamas for DeSantis. Oh my God. And she's insane. Yeah. Moms for Liberty I times mean, a million. Yeah. She's, ma- I mean, first of all, she, she's chose to marry this man. Mm. But which we um, all know that story. I mean, have we told that story on the podcast about his dating? It was in this book that someone, his roommate wrote a book about him from college and he had a, he had a thing. DeSantis had this oh, thing. Yeah, go yeah, on yeah. Dates, we talked right? about this. We talked yeah. about this. And they went on, if he would go on a date, he would, instead of saying, um, Thai food, he would say thigh food. He, he'd miss something like that. Yeah. Pronounced it and say thigh food. And most of the women would correct him. And then he would never date them again. If they corrected how he said it, Casey DeSantis didn't correct him. Girl. Either she didn't know or she girl. was just like, I'm going to hitch my star to this wagon. Yeah. Like my, my, my wagon to this star. Yeah. You know? No. He doesn't want to be corrected. He doesn't want to be told he's wrong, especially from a woman. Oh, I no. I don't know how. No, no. But, but she kind of, I feel like she's like the Lady Macbeth over there, like oh, in his ear. She's very manipulative. Yeah. I, yeah. I really do. I really do. Yeah. Ugh. 
Are you ready? I am. Oh my God. Be- oh, wait, wait. I well, just wanted okay. to say one yes. more thing that I just thought was funny was the whole, the, the Coke in the White House. Oh my God. <laughs> Did you see this tweet? There's a tweet and the lady, the girl goes, she goes, y'all need to make up your mind. You call, you want to, if he's sleepy Joe, he's oh going to keep himself I saw awake. <laughs> Don't blame him. He's got Coke to keep himself awake. And then there was a reporter who's like, Joe Biden won't answer questions about Coke in the White House. I was like, oh my God. Give me a break. First of all, first of all, oh my God. I love all the stuff where they're like, well, you know, he, he it's it's Biden getting coke for his son Hunter. It's like, oh my god, Hunter doesn't need you guys. You know, like yeah. they're not dropping that's baggies. A good, that'd be it's a really funny. funny Saturday Night Live skit, though. It's like Biden fucking trying to yeah. get it, like Graham <laughs> um, ball. Is that right? Like I don't know, like coke. Oh so my I'm sure god. it'll come out, and I'm sure it's probably some aid. Some idiot. It's yeah, some it's aid. Some idiot. You know, who, yeah. it's DC. I mean, yeah. we've seen all the shows. There's Everybody's been, high. Believe me, there's been Everybody's worse things doing at shit the White the, House. Yeah, yeah there's I'm, been worse things at the White House. Give, give me, me a, a fucking break. And I mean, <laughs> didn't, didn't it seem like uh, Trump was always on code? Yeah. So like, I don't <laughs> I understand. Thinking, the last presidency. I, <laughs> I mean, he was throwing McDonald's at the walls. All right. I mean, give me a break. Fucking oh, Coke in the White House. God. Hey, this is Russ. This is Kyle. This is Michelle. From the Infectious Groove Podcast. Join us every Monday for the most fun you can have with a music podcast. The Infectious Groove Podcast uses a positive and fun approach as we take time every week to share our jammy jams, then dig into a thought-provoking topic discussing all decades and genres of music. You can find the Infectious Groove Podcast on all major podcast platforms, or you can head to infectiousgroovepodcast.com to find us there and subscribe. We might have a controversial opinion here or there, but we always have fun with it. Oh, I'm sure I'll say something dumb. Subscribe to the Infectious Groove Podcast, part of the Odd Pods Media Network. Oh, I love this. I love when I get to, Are you get ready? To sit back and relax. Yes. Because it's a little bit long, but I really feel like I've sucked it in. I put that, you know, girdle on, honey, and sucked all the fat out of it. But today, uh-oh, I am covering J. Robert Oppenheimer. Oh! <gasps> Are you excited? I, excited? I wanted to, so I wanted to sing a song, uh, but I, I couldn't do Oppenheimer, Oppenheimer Smith. Smith. Yeah. Oh She's too much. She's too much. But I couldn't do it. I couldn't pull it together. I tried. I tried. I tried. Forgiven. You've, you've sung enough on the podcast for the, for the, for the rest of the duration it's, of our lives it's here. It's true. It's true. <laughs> okay. So I don't, you know, there's so many July movies coming out that I am excited about. I'm so excited about Mission Impossible. Uh, there's, have you seen the preview, the trailer for Mission Impossible, the new one? No. Is Tom Cruise. A, he's still making Mission Impossible movies? Le, they're the, I, I, saw I the, am obsessed <gasps> with Mission Impossible movies. Oh, like, I, I only saw the first, I only me. saw the first one. I, go, I see all of them. <gasps> I see all of, the first one's fucking great, but I see all of them. Anyway, in the new one, you know, he, Tom Wait Cruise, a minute. How many of these has he made? I think this is six. What? And it's a part one of two. But you know, Tom Cruise is a wacky whack. It's because yeah. he's so little. That he's got to make up for it. Well, okay? I think so, he got roped into that Scientology. Well, Scientology yeah, but I mean, I mean, like, he has to do all his own stunts. So it was a big deal. Like, I don't know. maybe How s- old is this man? Uh, honey, I don't know. But yeah. he, uh, it was a big deal. Like, I don't know, six months ago, seven months ago. I don't know what it was, a year ago. That it, they filmed him on a motorcycle. Okay. <laughs> for real. He takes this long fucking speed up drive and he goes off a fucking mountain. Okay. Like 
Wait, he wait, did wait. his own stunt. Why? And Why in the trailer, I was this? like, oh! like when you see it, it's fucking insane. And he goes off the motorcycle, gets drops off the motorcycle, and he does a parachute thing. Yeah. But it's in the movie, and it's fucking incredible. And so I'm so fucking excited about that. I didn't even know that they. Oh, I got goosebumps. I, I didn't when even you see know it, that they like made more than two or three of these things. Oh my god, they're so good. Tina, I, I'm. Where am I? <sighs> You're clearly, clearly not on the Tom Cruise train. I am not on the Tom Cruise train. I'm not really either. My favorite Tom Cruise movie is Magnolia. He's brilliant in it. Oh, Magnolia. Remember how fucking good yes. he was in that when he was doing God. that scene when he's doing this? I, I, I have not I seen that, that in a very long time. Yeah, it's on my movie list to rewatch Ooh. soon. Okay, so... Anyway, I was thinking like, oh, I'll let, let me do this. The beginning of the CIA. I'll add that to my list. Like maybe like a Mission Impossible kind of thing. And then Barbenheimer is happening. <laughs> Barbieheimer. <laughs> where Barbie and Oppenheimer come out the same day. And yes. I am going to see them as, as I'm going to try very hard to see them both on the same day. Barbie second, of course. Um, but I thought, oh my God, fucking Oppenheimer. Yes. I got to cover Oppenheimer. So here we go. I'm excited <gasps> because this is this, his life and him. Like I really wanted to focus more on him as an individ individual because we all know about the creation of the bomb, but him right. as an individual, he's really fucking interesting. It's incredible. Oh, yeah. Okay, so let's, let's do it. Let's, Cause I don't think I know. Yeah. Neither did I. I, I didn't know. I, know I didn't know anything I... about him, but he's really interesting. Okay. So Julius Robert Oppenheimer was an American theoretical physicist. He was the director of the Los, Los Alamos Laboratory during World War II and is often credited as the father of the atomic bomb for his role in the Manhattan Project, Ooh. the research and development undertaking that created the first nuclear weapons. I mean, it's yeah. so damn scary. So basically, he's this wild, crazy, a brilliant like, I mean, that, genius, that you... like a wild, socially awkward genius you know okay so julius robert oppenheimer was born into a jewish family in new york city on april 22nd 1904 his father came to the united states in 1888 as a teenager from hanau which is a province in the kingdom of prussia he had few resources no money no baccalaureate studies and no knowledge of the english language he was hired by a textile company and within a decade he was an executive there Dang. eventually becoming very wealthy. In wow. 1912, the family moved to an apartment on West 88th Street in Manhattan, an area known for luxurious uh, mansions and townhouses. They had like, uh, I didn't include this, but they had like Picassos and like all these famous paintings. Like they were rich, wow. rich, rich, That's rich, 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 incredible, right? That's richy, rich. Immigrant, like yeah. making it. Oppenheimer was a versatile scholar interested in English and French literature and particularly in mineralogy. He completed the third and fourth grades in one year and skipped half of eighth grade. During his senior year, he became interested in chemistry. So he graduated in 1921 from high school and entered Harvard College one year later at age 18 because he suffered an attack of colitis. And to help him recover from the illness, illness, his father enlisted the help of his English teacher, Herbert Smith, who took him to New Mexico, where Oppenheimer fell in love with horseback riding in the southwestern United States. This comes back later on. What? So when he started Harvard, eventually Oppenheimer majored in chemistry, but Harvard required science students to also study history, literature, and philosophy or mathematics. I mean, imagine that being well-rounded. Yeah. He compensated for his late start by taking six courses each term. In his first year, he Late was, start. The kid's 18. I yeah, guess back then, a year it's later, old. Yeah. In his first year, he was admitted to graduate standing in physics on the basis of independent study, which meant he was not required to take the basic classes and could enroll instead in advanced ones because he was so yeah. smart. Like he tested into them, you know? He was attracted to experimental physics by a course on 
thermodynamics taught by Percy Bridgman in 1925. After three years of study, Oppenheimer graduated with a Bachelor of Arts degree, summa cum laude. Now I'm going to mispronounce everything in this. Every science thing is going to be mispronounced. (laughs) And also, if I mention anybody's name like that, Percy Bridgman, please know... That every single person that he works with, comes in contact with, studies under, or he becomes a student of, of his, all go on to win like Nobel Peace Prizes and whatever. Wow. Like every experiment, everything he's working, because this is all like brand new, everything that they're studying, all of these, all the experiments, all the study, it's just so incredible. They all are like brilliant wow. minds and he's in the middle of all of them, right? Wow. With them. So... In 1924, Oppenheimer was informed that he had been accepted into Christ College in Cambridge. He wrote to Ernest Rutherford uh, requesting permission to work at the Cavendish Laboratory. Bridgman um, provided Oppenheimer with a recommendation, which conceded that Oppenheimer's clumsiness in the laboratory made it apparent uh, his his apparent forte was not experimental, but rather theoretical physics. Rutherford, who's at Cambridge, was uh, unimpressed, but Oppenheimer went to Cambridge in the hope of landing another offer. So he didn't get it. He was ultimately accepted by J.J. Thompson on condition that he complete a basic laboratory course. <laughs> so, Which is funny, okay, too, so to he think sucks, about how he he's sucks not on the hand. Yeah. He sucks on the hands-on like, part, but he can see it all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesus. I, I suck at both. So I know. I know. Oppenheimer okay. was very unhappy at Cambridge and wrote to a friend that, quote, I'm having a pretty bad time. The lab work is a terrible bore and I am so bad at it that it is impossible to feel that I'm learning anything, end quote. Oh. Oppenheimer was a tall, thin chain smoker who often neglected to eat during periods of intense thought and concentration. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Slow down, guy. Bruh. Relax. Many of his friends said he had self-destructive tendencies. Throughout his life, Oppenheimer was plagued by periods of depression, and he once told his brother, quote, I need physics more than, I, more than friends, end quote. Uh, in 1926, Oppenheimer left Cambridge for the University of Göttingen to study under Max Born. Göttingen was one of the world's leading centers for theoretical theoretical physics. Oppenheimer made friends who went on to great success, including Werner Heisenberg, Pascal Jordan, Wolfgang Pauli, Paul, Paul Dyrick, Enrico Fermi, and Edward Teller. Uh, uh, famous fucking physicist. Uh, <laughs> uh, he was known I know, for I'm like, wow. Uh, yeah. I don't know any of these people. Um, <laughs> but Tom Cruise makes six Mission Impossible movies. <laughs> uh, priorities. He was known for being too enthusiastic in discussions, sometimes to the point of taking over seminar sessions. What? <laughs> this move irritated- aside, move aside, yeah, professor. Yeah, yeah. Let me just That's let right. me just tell you. That's right. Let me just tell the class what all this means. Can you That's imagine right. that? Oh yeah. <laughs> He's full of himself. This but irritated. He's so smart. He's probably so, that he probably yeah. like you know he's probably sitting there like yeah, yeah. enough Can't, already, yeah, dummy. Let, let me, me let me get in here. I got to take over. <laughs> this irritated some of Born's other students so so much that Maria Goppert presented Born with a petition signed by herself and others threatening a boycott of the class <laughs> unless he made Oppenheimer quiet down. <gasps> wow. So, so he <laughs> is he like the father of mansplaining? Yeah. <laughs> father of he's just like let me just explain everything yes born left it out the petition out on a desk where oppenheimer could read it and it was effective without a word being said so he shut the fuck up after that he's like all right motherfuckers you want to hear my genius i'm done (laughs) oppenheimer obtained his doctor of philosophy degree in march 1927 at age 23 wow after the oral exam james frank the professor administering reportedly said quote 
I'm glad that's over. He was on the point of questioning me, end quote. <gasps> wow. <laughs> Turning the tables. Um, Oppenheimer published more than a dozen papers while in Europe, including many important contributions to the new field of quantum mechanics. He and Born published a famous paper on the Born-Oppenheimer approximation, which separates nuclear motion from electronic motion in the mathematical treatment of molecules, allowing nuclear motion to be neglected to simpl simplify calculations. I don't know any of that. I don't know what any of that means. And it remains his most cited work. Okay, good you know, for you. Because that's how it works, right? You build on these experiments, yeah, you build on this research. Like, what did the, they find out? Okay, how do we, how can we yeah. use this? And, and like it's the, incredible. Just you talking about this makes me realize how much I do not know. Mm. Like, I don't know anything. And here's the other part of it. I, know I don't nothing. give a fuck. Here's a, right, like a quantum physics sounds great. Like I don't know, it's, it's got something to do with this pen yeah. not standing. I don't. I have no idea what's happening. No. And also, but that someone's brain that. has yes. the capability or is interested enough to do understanding that. these yeah. things that like we just take for granted. We walk through yeah. the world, yeah. and it does not yeah. impact us at all. But there's right. somebody that understands yeah. all of this, or also just the idea of like wanting to understand it i mean to wanting the point to where you down created, and like figure it out create this thing yes that is, that is I yes mean, the impact that it's had yes yeah. on the world right and the fear yes. and all of these things like but that your mind created yes and knew how to make this happen is is wild it really is i agree it's wild i mean we need people like this to exist but also like how i, I just don't understand so how, fucking dumb yeah, like i just feel so stupid. i'm like wait a minute how do i calculate the yeah. percentage of yeah. <laughs> i was trying to figure yeah. out something and my mom the other day was like no it's basic algebra i said yeah and she goes get out of here yeah. <laughs> get out of here i was like oh okay that's nice meanwhile I, here's this fucking so weird genius over here figured this out yeah and this guy i know so um he goes on to he does a couple of other things now so he, he teaches but he's also still doing experiments and uh research and things like that on his own uh, with others. But Oppenheimer was awarded a United States National Research Council, Council Fellowship to the California Institute of Technology in September 1927. Bridgman also wanted him at Harvard. So a compromise was reached where he split his fellowship from the 1927-28 oh. academic year between Harvard and Caltech. Um, he also gave wow. lectures at the University of Leiden in Netherlands and worked at the Swiss Federal Institute of Technology. He returned to the U.S. and accepted a professorship from the University of California, Berkeley. He prospered at Berkeley as an advisor and collaborator to a generation of physicists who admired him for his intellectual virtuosity and broad interests. His students and colleagues saw him as mesmerizing, hypnotic in private interaction, but often frigid in more public settings. His associates fell into two camps. One saw him as aloof and an impressive genius, and the other as pretentious and insecure poser <laughs> oh that is so <laughs> poser yeah it's his, such a poser yeah. with your physics probably jealous <laughs> they're probably super jealous yeah his students also uh, almost always fell into the first category adopting his walk his speech and other mannerisms that goes into that hypnotic thing yeah. that's kind of weird yeah and his eyes are kind of weird like when you look at this picture you could see that he could he'd probably like you know, he's got like Charles Manson eyes. Like, yeah, like, like he's he like, looks, yeah, like he's, he's kind of cute, but also just like he's spitting the stuff at you. I'd be like, listen, when nerds start talking to me about nerd stuff, I fall out of my seat. <laughs> okay. I cannot take it. But this guy I seems can't like it. he, um, could have used that force for evil and yeah, you know what I mean? He, he like, he probably could have started a cult. 
To- totally. Which may, by the way, so like I kind of was feeling that same way too, like about this, but then also when he gets to this lab, the way he runs it and he's, he's, he's just very determined and everybody's following behind him. Yeah. I think the same thing. Like he realizes. Because like, he you've, could, you've said a, a few times now that he's hypnotic, that he, you know, that there's something about his presence, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. And he's probably just so smart. Yeah. Yeah. That he can manipulate or see, you know, yeah. see 12 steps ahead. Absolutely. Ooh. In 1936, Berkeley promoted him to full professor at a salary of $3,300 a year, which is equivalent to about $70,000 today. Um, That's a, I mean, it's a decent salary. Yeah. So some of his scientific work. Now, this is stuff that I don't know, but here we go. So Oppenheimer did important research in theoretical astronomy, especially as related to general relativity and nuclear theory, nuclear physics... I don't know. Am I saying nuclear right? Right? Nuclear? Yeah. Nuclear? Nuclear. I've already been um, chastised, but I didn't say that right. Nuclear? Nuclear. Nuclear. Nuclear physics, yeah. spectroscopy, and quantum field theory, including its extension into quantum electrodynamics. <laughs> Nerd. <laughs> Hot. Hot. <laughs> what is it? What is it? I like brilliant dummies like i like people who are so fucking smart but can be funny and goofy like that's my yeah. hot that's hot to me yeah you know like you like no. literature nerds i like smart no smart, smart nerds smart, like smart, this smart. is hot to me yeah well this to me i don't know because i wouldn't know what they were talking about let me tell you something right now me neither you know but I mean? it, that's I'm, okay to me because he mean that means he knows something i don't know and that's fucking hot to me but if we were like i'd be like talk about that again what <laughs> Give Quantum me the mechanics. Give me, what is, ah. give me the formula for, oh God. you know, whatever. I'm so stupid. <laughs> I'm so dumb. Why don't you teach me? Fucking hot. Oh my God, Tina. I'm going to take a break. Okay, so the, <laughs> formal, the formal mathematics of relativistic quantum mechanics also attracted his attention, although he doubted its validity. What about them titties, though? That drag attract your attention? Hi. I wonder. <laughs> I wonder. Listen. All right. Oh, I'm going to get into formula. his personal life. He's got, he's, I'm going to get his personal life. He's a little wacky, but like, all right. Is he wacky? He's a little wacky. Um, he pers- he's so brainy. Yeah. But, w- you know, with women, it was so fucking, like, he just didn't. All right. So maybe he's just we got, awkward. We're skipping. Maybe, we're skipping. Oh, okay. So his work predicted many later uh, finds, which include the neutron meson and neutron star initially his major interest was the theory of the continuous spectrum and his first published paper in 1926 concerned the quantum theory of molecular band spectra he uh, developed a method to i know he uh, developed a method to carry out calculations of its transition probabilities he calculated the photoelectric effect for hydrogen and x-rays obtaining the absorption coefficient at the k edge I'm on the K edge of my oh, mind. Man, what is that? His calculations, <laughs> his calculations <laughs> accorded, accorded with observations of the X-ray absorption of the sun, but not helium. Years later, it was realized that the sun was larger composed of hydrogen and that his calculations were indeed correct. Wow. So he was just making these theories of like what he thought and like then they, how people would it? take them and like test them or whatever. And years later, it's like he knew all of this before everybody else. That's crazy. that's just it's that's so crazy to me. I like I don't understand again. I don't understand how someone's brain yeah can theorize like I this. know. Oppenheimer also made important contributions to the theory of cosmic ray showers and started work that eventually led to descriptions of quantum tunneling. In 1931, he co-wrote a paper on the 
relativistic theory of the photoelectric effect with his student Harvey Hall, in which, based on empirical evidence, he correctly disputed Dirac's assertion that two of the energy fields of the hydrogen atom have the same energy. Anyway, this goes on and on and on and on and on. There's so much more that he's done that he did. And like I said, like Harvey Hall, Dirac, like you can look up all these people he was working with and working for or students of his that went on to win prizes in scientific fields and Nobel Peace Prizes for all of the things that they discovered. And his hand was in almost everything. Wow. He's an incredible fucking genius. Okay. It's incredible. So a little bit about him personally. In August of 1939, Oppenheimer met Catherine Puning. She was a radical Berkeley student and Communist Party member. Hi. Um, yeah. She was from Germany and in the United States on a student visa. Uh, she earned her Bachelor of Arts degree in Botany from the University of Pennsylvania. And then she moved to California and enrolled as a graduate student at the University of California, Los Angeles. Oppenheimer and Kitty, uh, that's what they called her, Kitty, created a minor scandal by sleeping together after meeting at a party. She was kind of married at the time. Um, on her third husband (gasps) and also how old is she Yeah, very young but like one of her husbands died the other one like it ended after five months but this is the third husband she was on but also like what i read about him almost every person woman that he had slept with was married like i don't know what the deal with that was i don't know if it was a challenge or like whatever but he didn't give a fuck like he's like i think on a person-to-person level he's so like doesn't care about social rules almost like if you find yeah, out someone's he's married so you kind of stay away from he's, them maybe he's yeah. just so in his brain he just he doesn't, doesn't he doesn't uh give a fuck like he almost every and he had affairs all the time like he just yeah he, he kind of wow. didn't care so in the summer of 1940 she stayed with oppenheimer at his ranch in new mexico because he ended up loving that area and bought yeah. a ranch there she finally asked her husband for a divorce when she found out she was pregnant by oppenheimer <gasps> <laughs> when he refused she obtained a quick divorce in reno nevada she had to live in nevada for six weeks to obtain residency and then she got a divorce there and married um oppenheimer the next day that's her oh. fourth husband it's true love don't question it. <laughs> listen, listen. maybe just, you know, back then you, you, people didn't really date. What are you going to do? You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so, so yeah, one whatever. Mar- maybe one of her marriages too was to obtain some sort of U.S. citizenship kind of thing. Who knows? I don't Who know. Knows? So their first child. She's Peter, got a genius over here. What do and you she's, want? And she also was a genius. Like she also was like a scientist and did all this oh. stuff too. <laughs> so um, their first child, Peter, was born in May 1941. And their second, Catherine, was born in Los Alamos, uh, New Mexico on December 7th, 1944. So I mentioned that Catherine was in the Communist Party and so was Oppenheimer. Like many young intellectuals in the 1930s, Oppenheimer supported social reforms yeah. that were later alleged to be communist ideas. He donated to many progressive causes that were branded as left-wing during the McCarthy era. The majority of his allegedly radical work consisted of hosting fundraisers for the Republican cause in the Spanish Civil War and other anti-fascist activity. He never openly joined the Communist Party. As far as his other interests, he liked things that were difficult. And since much of the scientific work appeared easy for him, he developed an interest in the mystical and the cryptic. So he had an interest in learning languages and learned Sanskrit under Arthur Arthur W. Ryder at Berkeley. He eventually read the Hindu scriptures such as the Bhagavad Gita and the Upanishads. I'm saying it wrong. I'm so sorry. In original Sanskrit and deeply pondered them. He later cited the Gita as one of the books that most shaped his philosophy of life. His close confidant and colleague, Nobel Prize winner Isidore Rabi, later gave his own interpretation. He said, quote, 
Oppenheimer was overeducated in those fields which lie outside the scientific tradition, such as his interest in religion and the Hindu religion in particular, which resulted in a feeling of, mis of mystery of the universe that surrounded him like a fog. He saw physics clearly, looking toward what had already been done, but at the border, he tended to feel there was much more of the mysterious and novel than there actually was. He turned away from the hard, crude methods of theoretical physics into a mystical realm of broad intuition." Oh, it's kind of so, cool, right? That is kind of cool because he's, yeah, I guess if he's understanding yeah, everything, yeah. he's like, what and is then all this? what is this other is thing life? that he can't understand? Yeah, it's kind of, and I love yeah. that he's like constantly challenging himself, right? Yeah. Okay, so let's get into the Manhattan Project. Oh, God. So, you know, he's a genius. Everybody knows who he is. He's one of the top scientists. And now we are in World War II and we hear the Germans are working on a nuclear bomb. Yeah. And we are now in a race against the Germans to get this thing done. And so um, this is how he gets involved in the Los Alamos can, can laboratory. Can you imagine this? Oh, this is crazy. Oh, and, and what also, pressure, and what pressure were, because I'm sure if a government saying, we need you to do yes, this. But also this is, so we know his personality, right? Like he puts his head down and he works and he works it, right? He's smoking, he's not eating, right? Like he puts his head down and he works. I think that like later on we'll see how his reactions are to the bombs and everything. But like, I think he was tasked with this, um, pr like this, um, a challenge, a challenge, a challenge that he's yeah. like, I've got to figure this yeah, out. You're in a race and, and, really, and he's smart. So he's like, I can do and it. I almost wonder maybe. if he like lost sight of, yeah, but at the end of this, this is what it's going to be used right. for. And so he just was like, they're giving me this puzzle to solve. Right. You know, and he was given uh, uh, the lab and be able to pick everybody he wants to I work mean, for him. And he'd like, you know, so it was a lot. But anyway. Well, and if your government's coming to you saying, yeah. we need you, you're the top in the field. Like, otherwise, this is the end of the world, you yeah, know, this or is, democracy, this and the other. Like, when you okay. think about nuclear power, it changed our world. It yeah. cha shifted who we were in every person on the planet, in yeah. every country. This changed everything. And he was the head of this lab. That's wild. It is an incredible amount of uh, pressure and power. I, and, and it's just crazy to me. All right. So on October 9th, 1941, two months before the United States entered World War II, President Franklin D. Roosevelt approved a crash program to develop an atomic bomb. Oh In May 1942, National Defense Research Committee Chairman James B. Conant, who had been one of Oppenheimer's lecturers at Harvard, invited Oppenheimer to take over work on fast neutron calculations, a task Oppenheimer threw himself into with full vigor. Um, he was given the title Coordinator of Rapid Rupture, which specifically referred to the propagation of a fast neutron chain reaction in an atomic bomb. One of his first acts was to host a summer school for bomb theory at his building in Berkeley. The mix of European phys physicists and his own students kept themselves busy by calculating what needed to be done and in what order to make the bomb. Wow. In September 1942, Lieutenant General Leslie Groves, who was appointed director of what became known as the Manhattan Project, he selected Oppenheimer to head the project's secret weapons laboratory. This choice surprised many because Oppenheimer had left-wing political views and no record as a leader of large projects. Groves was concerned by the fact that Oppenheimer did not have a Nobel Prize <laughs> and might not have the prestige to direct fellow scientists. Wow. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. People are just so... Do I keep saying Nobel Peace Prize? I mean Nobel Prize in science. That's not the same thing, right? No. Okay, sorry. Nobel Prize. Um, yeah, so 
but his he was impressed by Oppenheimer's singular grasp of the p- practical aspects of designing and, sh- and in- constructing an atomic bomb and by the breadth of his knowledge. As a military engineer, Groves knew that this would be vital in an interdisciplinary project that would involve not just physics, but chemistry, met- metallurgy, ordnance, <laughs> ordnance, and engineering. <sighs> Groves also detected in Oppenheimer something that many others didn't, didn't um, have, an overweening ambition that Groves reckoned would supply the drive necessary to push the project to a successful conclusion. Oh my God. So this is someone who he has to be the best. He has to win. He has to have it. Yeah. And he'll stop at nothing. Yeah. Well, there you go. Oppenheimer and Groves decided that for security and cohesion, they needed a centralized secret research laboratory in a remote location on November 16th, 1942. Oppenheimer suggested and championed a site that he knew well, a flat Mesa near Santa Fe, New Mexico, which was the site of a private boys school, the Los Alamos ranch school. The engineers were concerned about the poor access road and the water supply, but otherwise felt that it was ideal. The Los Alamos uh, laboratory was built on the site of the school, taking over some of its buildings while many new buildings were erected in great haste i don't think the school was still there it was like abandoned okay at the laboratory oppenheimer's oppenheimer assembly assembled a group of the top physicists of the time which he called the luminaries los alamos was initially supposed to be a military laboratory and oppenheimer and other researchers were to be commissioned into the army the plan to commission scientists fell through when some scientists balked at the idea they're like no thanks yeah they're like i'm not gonna sign up for this no thank you Conant, Groves, and Oppenheimer devised a compromise whereby the laboratory was operated by the University of California under contract to the War Department. Oh, my God. It soon turned out that Oppenheimer had hugely underestimated the magnitude of the project. Los Alamos grew from a few hundred people in 1943 to 6,000 in 1945. Wow. And he's, he's in charge of all this. At first, he had difficulty with the organizational division of large groups, but rapidly learned the art of large-scale administration after he took up permanent residency on the Mesa. He was noted for the, his master, mastery of all scientific aspects of the project and for his efforts to control the inevitable cultural conflicts between scientists and the military. Wow. He was an iconic figure to his fellow scientists as much as a symbol of what they were working toward as a scientific director. Victor Weisskopf said this, quote, Oppenheimer directed these studies, theoretical and experimental, in the real sense of the words. He was here his uncanny speed in grasping the main points of any subject was was a divisive factor. He could acquaint himself with the essential details of every part of the work. He did not direct from the head office. He was intellectually and physically present at each decisive step. He was present in the laboratory or in the seminar rooms. When a new effect was measured, when a new idea was conceived, it was not that he contributed so many ideas or suggestions. He did so sometimes, but his main influence came from something else. It was his continuous and intense presence, which produced a sense of direct participation in all of us. It created that unique atmosphere of enthusiasm and challenge that pervaded the place throughout its time wow so he's heavily involved yeah you know and being and a he's part respected of it. and he's respected um okay so at this point in the war there was considerable anxiety among the scientists that the germans might be making faster progress on an atomic weapon than they were after a mammoth research uh, effort the more complex design of the implosion device known as the christie gadget after Robert Christie, another student of Oppenheimer's, was finally finalized in a meeting in Oppenheimer's office in February 20 on February 28th, 1945. So then they create, they build it. And oh they have, now they have to do a test and they oh call it God. the Trinity test. Oh so my God. 
How scary is this? It's so fucking scary. How scary is it's this? It's so scary. Jesus. So the joint work of the scientists at Los Alamos resulted in the world's first nuclear explosion near Alma Gordo, New Mexico on July 16th, 1945. Oppenheimer had given the site the code name Trinity in mid-1944 and said later it was from one of John Donne's holy sonnets. John Donne. Donne's yeah. holy sonnets. Um among those present with Oppenheimer in the control bunker at the site were his brother, Frank, who also was this very famous scientist, oh. um, and the Brigadier General Thomas Farrell. When Jer Jeremy Bernstein asked Frank what Robert's first words after the test had been, the answer was, quote, I guess it worked, end quote. How, how big? By the way, it was, how I got a picture of the Trinity test. It's a giant, it's like atomic bomb where the thing comes up like this and it's- Like the mushroom cloud. Yeah, it's fucking but, but, insane. But- you know, because there's within the vicinity, shit's going to be dead and yeah. whatnot. Like, so how, yeah. like, what's the radiation? Do we know, like, I don't the, know. I didn't, I didn't, the but expanse yeah. of that. You're right. I don't know. And were there people, you know, like, no, how no. far I think into they were doing this abandoned school, wherever they are, yeah. where they're testing it, like, because they said there's poor water supply. Yeah. I you don't know, know. Because, like, if, that gets in the water. Absolutely. That gets, so I'm just curious. I've like, never heard of anything coming from that. So I don't know. I mean, yeah. maybe they were more careful in this. Or maybe it was the a smaller test. scale or because yeah. then I, it just is scary. Like you're testing this and you don't know. I'm, I'm sure that they calculated like how far yeah. would it radiate out? What? But do they know the impact of yeah, I don't know. creating that at the time? Like I'm sure the ramifications yeah. on the human body. Yeah, and how all long? That, yeah. yeah. I know. Future ramifications. Jesus. Jesus. So, I know. This is... I mean, like, like, to, like to, to create this and know that the destructive force of this thing that you made. I, I know. Well, he doesn't, that's I don't a lot think he really, weight. I don't think he really understands until after. Yeah. Like that's a lot of yeah. weight to, yeah. to bear. Okay. Well, Jesus. wait till we get into that. So Farrell summarized Robert's reaction as follows, quote, Dr. Oppenheimer, on whom had rested a very heavy burden, grew tenser as the last seconds ticked off. He scarcely bre breathed breathed he held on to a post to steady himself for the last few seconds he stared directly ahead and then when the announcer shouted now <gasps> and there came this tremendous burst of light followed shortly thereafter by the deep growling roar of the explosion oh my god his face relaxed into an expression of tremendous relief end quote oppenheimer later recalled while witnessing the explosion he thought of a verse from the bhagavad gita that said quote if the radiance of a thousand suns were to burst at once into the sky, that would be like the splendor of the mighty one, end quote. Years later, yeah, I don't think that that was the intention. Yeah. Years, <laughs> years later, line. years later, he said that another verse had also entered his head at that time, which he translated as, quote, I am, I am become death, the destroyer of worlds, end quote. That seems more accurate. At an assembly at Jesus. Los Alamos on August 6th, 1945. So now this is about a few weeks later. It was the evening that the atomic bomb was going to drop on Hiroshima. Oppenheimer took to the stage and clasped his hands together while the crowds cheered. Um, this is at the lab because now they've dropped these bombs, right? Um, the United States dropped two nuclear bombs. They dropped one on Hiroshima and had a total casualties of 135,000 people. I mean, and they dropped is, one in Nagasaki and it had casualties of 64,000 people. Yeah. Not they, to mention like what you said, the after effects and the oh, years God. and years and decades and decades of of just water and poison and radiation, right? Yeah, Jesus. So Oppenheimer from the stage, um, Oppenheimer and many of the project staff were very upset about the bombing of Nagasaki. 
um, as they did not feel the second bomb was necessary from a military point of view. And you don't really hear about uh, Nagasaki as much. No, you don't. As Hiroshima. So he then, now this happened on August, uh, sorry, August, oh my goodness. So the bomb was dropped August, the bombs were dropped August 16th. He then travels to D.C. on August 17th to hand deliver a letter to Secretary of War Henry L. Stimson expressing his revulsion and his wish to see nuclear weapons banned. Okay, so, so I'm like confused. Less than two weeks later. Yeah, I'm confused. So he creates this. I, I'm telling you, this is what I mean. I think within that time, he saw what the fuck happened. And, and he, like, did I he really know don't immediately think he, I, like, that yeah, they're going to put it on people? I, I, I think that he knew that, but I really, I think it was more of this race to like get it done. But I just don't think he really understood the ramifications. Yeah, that he was Jesus. building something for this government yeah. to then kill human beings. Like, I really don't think, maybe he thought more it was going to be a threat that we have it. Right, like, right. I don't know. Right. But imme- almost immediately he was like, what the fuck have I done? What, what have I done? What was the date? Tell me the date of the bomb. The bomb was August 6th and he went on August 17th. Oh, so not, not even yeah. two weeks. 11, 11 days. days. Okay. Listen, wait till you hear the rest oh, of this. Oh, Jesus. In October 1945, so now two months later, Oppenheimer was granted an interview with President Harry S. Truman. Now, we all know Truman. He's a fucking military yeah. guy. He I'm don't give like a fuck. like covered in goosebumps already. He doesn't give a fuck, right? So Oppenheimer goes, and the meeting went very badly because Oppenheimer said to the president that he felt that he had blood on his hands. The I remark mean, infuriated Truman, and he put an end to the meeting. What? Because this is war. They're attacking us. We're ending the I, war. I, I and that's it. how Truman felt about it and fuck everything else. Right, but I Oppenheimer's that. not a military no, man. No. He's a human being who's like, what did I do? And how many people, how many thousands of people died? Yeah. Those aren't all military. Over, those over 200,000 people. Those aren't military. Those are yeah. people. Innocent people. So God. he ends this meeting and Truman later told his undersecretary of state, Dean Ashian, quote, I don't want to see that son of a bitch in this office ever again, end quote. Oh, so we'll just use you. Yeah. And now you're thrown out like the trash. For his services. And as no respect given for oh, what. It, it he, gets worse what they did to him. <gasps> it gets worse. This is what's really fucked I'm, up. I'm this is what's, just, what happens now is so fucked. So for his services as director of Los Alamos, Oppenheimer was awarded a Medal of Merit by President Truman in 1946. He's probably like, but, but take your Medal of Merit and yeah. shove it up your ass. But then- but then, because this is the United States government for you. Oh, God. In 1946, the United States formed the Atomic Energy Commission to oversee the country's now brand new nuclear weapons program. Oh, my God. Oppenheimer was put on this commission, and he used his position on the commission to argue for more control of nuclear weapons and against the development of the hydrogen bomb, oh, which God. the United States tested for the first time in 1952, which was like later on yeah. they developed this. Cynthia C. Kelly, founder and president of the Atomic Heritage Foundation, said, quote, he was opposed to pursuing the hydrogen bomb, the super bomb, because that was 1,000 times more powerful than the bombs dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki, end quote. Oppenheimer was worried about the potential destruction that an arms race to build bigger and bigger bombs would unleash. Businessman Louis Strauss, which is why we do not put business people on commissions <laughs> who give you money. It's we all don't the- put them on fucking important decision-making uh, commissions, oh you dumb well, fucks. What, this is what happens when you everything is like yeah. capitalism, political. capitalism, capitalism, yeah. and capitalism, and political, yeah. right? Who's going to give me money to win? And yeah. now I can make this guy's going to be making yeah. decisions. So, businessman Louis Strauss, who became chairman of the Atomic Energy Commission in 1953, disliked Oppenheimer's opposition to the hydrogen bomb, mm. and held a security hearing 
to investigate Oppenheimer's loyalty to the United States of America. Oh, here we go. Now the commie stuff is going to come out. This was the height of the second Red Scare when Senator Joseph McCarthy held hearings to expose supposed communists in the federal government. With the help of the FBI, which illegally tapped Oppenheimer's phone, the Atomic Energy Commission argued during the hearing that Oppenheimer's association with communists made him a security threat which they already knew about this before they asked him to go to this laboratory. They knew his history, that he was giving money to the communists. They didn't give a fuck because they wanted to use him to build something. Now that they've used him, they want to tell him to go fuck himself. Pieces of shit. Yeah. Which, by the way, ruins him, right? (gasps) Like, this ruins him. Well, yeah, at that time. In 1954, the government- Yeah. And And what job is he going to get? Right. In 1954, the government revoked his security clearance, making him one of the many people to be blacklisted during the era. In in 2022, 55 years after his death, the U.S. government nullified its 1954 decision and affirmed Oppenheimer's loyalty. Oh my God. Who cares? Probably because the movie's coming out. This is Who cares? They're like, we can't be a part of this. We got to make sure that we clear this up before that movie comes out. That's the out. stupidest thing I've ever heard. It 55 really, years later. It really fucked him up. It really, really fucked him up. Because here's the other thing too. When you, like what you said, after his death. when your government comes to you and says, the Germans are going yeah. to build a bomb that could destroy this country and kill thousands, hundreds of thousands of people. And you had the brain power to help us. Yeah. You do it. And he did. Of course. And then was given zero. Like, then this happens. It's, it really fucked him up. Well, they're using his brain for what they want, but then they're not using his brain from someone who's saying, hey, we're yeah. going down a, the wrong road right. here. As like, long you as need he's to on understand side, the ramifications yeah. of what these weapons are and what they do. Yeah. It's really Jeez. fucked up. It's fucked up. So starting in 1954, Oppenheimer lived for several months of the year on the island of St. John in the U.S. Virgin Islands. He had built a home there. Um, In 1957, he purchased a two-acre tract of land on Gibney Beach, where he built a Spartan home on the beach. He spent a considerable amount of time sailing with his daughter uh, and his wife, Kitty. He was asked to lecture at universities around the world. In his speeches and public writings, Oppenheimer continually stressed the difficulty of managing the power of knowledge in a world in which the freedom of science to exchange ideas was more and more hobbled by political concerns concerns oh my god right like the freedom to explore and research and all of that can be taken over by like look at what DeSantis is doing in the schools now you know this idea of like freedom to to figure things out and understand the world and and have these free 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 uh, flowing ideas yeah is all political and and Oppenheimer was a chain smoker who was diagnosed with throat cancer in 1965. Uh-huh. After inconclusive surgery, he underwent a, an unsuccessful radiation treatment and chemotherapy late in 1966. He fell into a coma on February 15th, 1967, and died at his home in Princeton, New Jersey on February 18th. He was 62 years old. Wow, too young. Mm. But I wonder too, he's chain smoking. He's, I, I mean, are they exposed? They're, they're doing all these experiments. Like oh. I wonder like about their exposure. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially early on. I think, and I, I think I, I remember reading that they were testing them constantly. People, cause, because when they were there for years at this lab, people had their families there. Like their families oh lived God. there. Their families, the kids. Like, oh. they were, like his wife stayed for like maybe a year or two and was like, I got to get the fuck out of this. And like Can she you left with the kids. You're in the middle like, of an abandoned school yeah. in a desert. But it was just so intense and he was not really around. So she was like, I'm out. Yeah. But, sounds- um, oh my God. Anyway, I, I think he's this endlessly fascinating. No, and now I want to see this movie. Oh, oh yeah. And you know, Cillian Murphy, who we just talked about oh. from, uh, Peaky Blinders plays him. Oh yeah. In the movie. 
See, I don't know anything. I don't. I, I'm not keeping up in the world. Girl, you got to keep up with this guy. Oh my god, the, those eyes, honey, <laughs> honey, honey, honey. What a story. Yeah. I, I, what a story. And, and, and what the a betrayal. Power. The betrayal of this com- country yeah, to this man. But, but the power of that intelligence. Yeah. And the H-bomb. And having and to live with the fact that you created like, this, yeah. that you were a part you of this. You opened up the Pandora's box, man. So that's that's the part I'm interested to see in the movie, because I'm definitely going to go see the movie. But that's the part I'm interested to see how they are going to play that part. Like, yeah. what was he thinking going into this? Because... I think that that Lieutenant General Groves is played by Matt Damon in the movie. Oh, because um, the, the scenes that you see with Matt Damon and is he's like in his military outfit. He's like demanding these things yeah. get done. So I think that that's who plays him. And I think that there was a lot of pressure there. And he also was interested in being a part of something that was humongous. Yeah. But well, the later course. on impact was like not. No. I mean, God, even today, the, the, the devastation. Yeah. And it's scary. It's scary when you think about the amount of nuclear power yeah. that not just our country has. You know what I mean? Like like we are so, I feel like close to, you know, someone hitting yes. a button and we're yeah. all fucked. Yeah. Between that and then you think of the chemical warfare and the drone warfare and it's, it's too overwhelming. I know. Jesus. Well. <laughs> happy saturday <laughs> oh god what a way to start the weekend <laughs> <laughs> oh god i was so excited about it it's so good but it's so scary it is really scary so i got it no but you know how i survive i watch drag race there's a new episode I get to watch this morning, so I'm excited about that. <laughs> I started. I told you I started Sopranos again. I don't know why. Oh, it oh me, I've been watching Boardwalk Empire. Is it so good? It's so good. And guess what? Around. Guess the fuck what? Remember I did the story about the Ohio gang? Yeah. And it was like Harding and Daughtry was the gen- attorney yeah, general yeah, yeah, and yeah, Jesse, yeah, yeah. Jesse Smith and they were all fucking fucked up and who killed this guy and and, da- and uh, Harding dies with a heart attack of yeah. Phoenix. In this show, Daughtry is one of the characters. He's like this totally corrupt, you know, attorney oh. general. And, I, and Jesse Smith was mentioned. And I was like, because remember he was oh, doing bootlegging. I love that. Oh my God, I can't. I'm, I'm, I'm like, I know this whole story. <laughs> I know how this goes because I host a podcast. <laughs> and then nobody talks back to me because I'm yelling at the TV. Oh my God, I love it. <laughs> All right, well, we'll see you next week. Yep. Bye. Bye. If you want to see any photos or take a deeper dive into our stories, please go to our website, www.themuckpodcast.com. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Muck Podcast and on our Twitter at Muck Podcast. To support The Muck Podcast, please visit our Patreon page. We have three levels of support with exclusive content, Muckraker, Policy Wonk, or Bleeding Heart. We can't do this without you.